Blog Talk Radio. All is a blessing. All is a blessing. Come on in. It's another powerful edition of Revolutionary Voodoo. Who all the influences that bless the Come on in. Come on in. Fire is hot. Water is a Come back home, 
You are now sitting again live with the Divine Prince, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, El Lagoon Oloye Hudu Obeya Bokur, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African Hudu world spiritualist perspective. Understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils, it's all just an illusion. This is my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, my reverberation and reiteration, and it is the living reality. All is a blessing. It's crucial foundation of my inner standing, my being, my walk, my works, my demonstration along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is indeed the very foundation of where I begin and end all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all blessed reality, and so it is, Ashe. And when the I and I come together, <laughs> when the empowered you and the empowered individual come together as family, as community, as village, there's nothing we can't do. There's nothing we can't stop. There's nothing we can't block. There's nothing we can't create and recreate in this most present moment in divine time space. I'm not talking about five years, ten years. I'm talking about right now. Right now. Here and now, today, this Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. I'm on fire, children. I'm on on fire, beloved. 
to say I was livid <laughs> would be an understatement. Would be an understatement. And I know some of you have been aware, some of you have been following, some of you have visited my Instagram, my three most recent videos. And indeed, we will stop, block, prevent any conversation, not just your actions, but any conversation, any thoughts about moving in on Congo Square, about destroying our history, our legacy, our tradition, our culture. And what's left of our neighborhood, it will not happen, not on my watch. It will not happen. And I'm just one eye. I'm just one eye. Because you might silence me, and you might silence one or two or three, but you can't silence a village. You can't silence a community. You cannot silence a world community that is now watching that is now listening, that is now paying attention, not just to this podcast, this show, but to the city of New Orleans, to the mayor of New Orleans, to the city council of New Orleans. Beloved, beloved, in this moment, I come in peace, but I'm prepared for war. I'm prepared for battle. You have many other options in New Orleans East, you have many other options. What happened to the plan for Poland Avenue? You have many other options other than to put City Hall on sacred ground. You got many other options than to do that. Beloved Mayor, <laughs> beloved Mayor, if you, you want to continue to be seen favorably in history, our first woman, our first black woman mayor of the city of New Orleans, Fight on the side of right, beloved. Do the right thing, beloved. You have the power and the ability right now to pull this thing to a halt and choose another location, choose another option. We indeed want to continue. Greetings, audience, but I'm on fire right now. (laughs) Greetings, my community. I'm on fire right now. I see you. I'm going to greet each and every one of you individually. In a moment, I'm going to acknowledge my phone lines at 845-277-9143, but I've got to speak my piece. You have many other options than to disrupt, violate, step on the culture, the heritage, tradition that is already manifest in Armstrong Park. Let's call it what it is, the Morris FX Jeff Senior Municipal Auditorium. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. And indeed, we want to see his legacy honored. We want to see his legacy acknowledged, the pioneer in establishing recreational and educational programming in the city of New Orleans for black children. Morris F.X. Jeff Sr., was a pioneer in establishing recreational and educational programs for African-American children when New Orleans was segregated. Was born in Morgan City, Louisiana. Jeff was a social worker, a therapist, an advocate, a trainer, and an activist. After moving to New Orleans with his family at a very young age, Jeff graduated from Madonna 
35 high schools and Xavier University. He later obtained a master's degree from the University of Michigan. Dr. Morris dedicated his life to fighting the battle of those who needed it most, those who couldn't fight for themselves, those who otherwise didn't have a voice. African-American children in a segregated Louisiana, in a segregated New Orleans. He championed the many unpopular issues within society while challenging those around him to join in the struggle. After his arrival in Louisville, Jackson first served as a projector director, I'm sorry, as a project director at the Presbyterian Community Center. In 1966, the year I was born, he accepted the directorship of the Plymouth Settlement House and served in that position until 1972. He was a licensed clinician and a widely respected expert on a number of subjects, including transracial adoption, black-on-black violence, welfare reform, repatriation, reparation, manhood development, cultural diversity, and the Middle Passage. He appeared on the NBC Today Show, ABC Nightline, CBS Nightwatch, and the Oprah Winfrey Show as an opponent to transracial adoption that black people can and must care for black children. In 1981, he developed the Harambee Closing Ceremony to honor African culture to be held as part of the National Association of Black Social Workers Annual Conferences. Harambee is is key Swahili word that translates as pulling together or we all pull together. Uh, our beloved Morris F.X. Jeff Sr. died of heart failure at the age of, of 79 and indeed fought for many of the black children in the city of New Orleans, kept many of the black children in the city of New Orleans out of jail, out of trouble, on a straight and narrow positive path, and many of those who went on to become powerful representatives within our community. And so let's call it what it is, the Morris F. X. Jeff Senior Municipal Auditorium. And so any idea to repair that, to fix that, to improve that, we support. Uh, we had a brother yesterday at the community meeting said that, you know, if you want a new city, we'll build it. We'll help. We'll participate, but not on Congo Square. Not on Congo Square. And any notion of me, based on where I'm located, I can see Congo Square from my house. I can see the Minnesota Auditorium from my house. I can see into the park from my house. Any notion of me having to wake up to two, seven to ten-story parking garages, not one but two, in a city hall building, won't happen. It won't happen. So I implore the mayor. I beg the mayor. I invite the mayor to stand on the side of right, stand on the side of history, and, and be in a position of right. Don't let this happen. Don't let this happen, not in Congo Square, not on sacred ground. Congo Square has already been reduced. 
at the footprint. Many of us know the history. Many of us understand. We've already been reduced to the lovely square or circle, you know, the sign that Luther and, and Jamila and, and the press in the Preservation Society went into their pockets to, to put up. We already understand the footprint has already been lessened. So why disturb what's left of it? Why disturb it now? Why break up the history and the tradition and the culture of, of Treme? Because it goes way beyond just Congo Square, y'all. It goes way beyond just that sacred space. We're talking about Congos. We're talking about Treme, the first free black established community in America. And, and, and we are down now to maybe two blocks of, of what is being preserved from the original Treme, two blocks. Everything else is being redeveloped. It's being gentrified. It's being improved on. And, and that's often part of the argument. Well, well, it's being improved. It's safer. It's cleaner. You know, that there are other things that you can do now, like the Lafitte uh, Parkway, uh, you know, bikeway. You know, the, the, there's things that we can enjoy. But what about the culture? What about the tradition? What about the history? And, and many are moving to our neighborhood. You know, if a house is available, you, you're buying a house. We, we get that. But you're moving to our neighborhood because it's traumatic. <laughs> you're moving to our neighborhood because you might catch a second line at 10 in the morning or at 10 at night or, or at any hour of the day. You're moving to Tremay because we have live, active, authentic, masking black culture here. We have masking Mardi Gras Indian culture here. We got baby dog culture here. We have skull and bone culture here. And many of those have already been forced to move out of the community, pr- primarily for economics and politics. They can't afford to live in the community or can't afford to the, the upkeep. It takes a lot of money to upkeep these old, antique, historic houses that we live in. I'm one of those. And then you close the firehouse, the firehouse, which, which I used to be able to see from my door without telling anyone. We didn't know the firehouse was gone until Bertha's burned to the ground on Basin and, and North Villery. That's when we find out that the, that the firehouse is gone. So how do you make a move like this, City Hall? How do you make a move like this, Mayor, beloved Mayor Cantrell, with, with COVID, and the community not being able to sit in that chamber and look you in the face while you make these kind of decisions and these kind of choices. How do you make a move like this without the voice of the community being an active part of this process? Don't we have a right to decide what we want to wake up and open our our windows and doors to look at? Don't we have a right to decide how many cars and traffic, listen, my house already shakes every time these 18-wheelers pull through North Villery. My house shakes like an earthquake. And, and I'm thinking every time it happens, how much more damage is being done to my house. So I can imagine the other old historic antique houses 
in this community, what we're having to endure just by the vibrations of what little commercial traffic we got coming through here now. And you want to now tear down the tin bridge, the, the, the Claiborne bridge, again, disrupting another established black economic community, and then you put up the bridge. And now some decades later, now you want to take down the bridge so that our new inhabitants, you know, and those who are party to some of the gentrification can now have much easier in and out access to a community that before Katrina, many of you didn't even want to walk through. Before Katrina, many of you never was on this side of the park, never was in this community, never wanted to cross through this neighborhood. And now we want to open it up, open it up and erase what's left of the historic footprint in this community. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. And you can silence my voice. You might silence one or two other voices, but you can't silence a village. You can't silence a community. And we're calling in all the army. We're calling in all the warriors. We're calling in all you, you master bloggers and you master posters. We're calling in all of our backups. We're calling on all of our ancestors, known and unknown. We're calling on the ancestors who lost their property in this community. We're calling on the ancestors whose, whose property now is a lot or, or now is a brand new co-op building. We're calling on all the ancestors to defend us and to stand with us in this endeavor. And if you're in Louisiana, if you're in New Orleans, and you're claiming root work and conjure and witchcraft and magic and, and ifa and voodoo and hoodoo and obia, now is your moment, beloved. Now is your moment. Now is your moment. We will not have this happen, beloved City Hall. Mayor Cantrell, we will not have this happen, beloved. And, and we're going to do the right thing, the political thing, the professional thing, the legal thing. We've, you, you already know, we, we've reached out, we've written letters, we've made contact, we've asked, begged, pleaded, asked nicely for a, a public sit-down, a, a meeting to, to discuss what's going on. And, and I quote from, from last night's community meeting, all we've gotten is a cone of silence. All we've gotten is a cone of silence. Ain't no code of silence in the spirit realm. Ain't no code of silence with the ancestors. Ain't no code of silence with the voodoo. Respect the voodoo no matter what you do. If you don't respect the culture, if you don't respect the history, if you don't respect the people, if you don't respect the jazz, if you don't respect Mahalia Jackson and, and Louis Armstrong, you at least would want to respect the voodoo, beloved. Respect the voodoo. This will not happen. No argument. This will not happen. And, and those of us that are degreed up and, and got their legalese together, they're on it. They're on it. And those of us who only know how to fight <laughs> one way, those of us who have a very limited toolbox of, of how we fight and address issues, now is your time. 
Now is your time. And so you heard it from me, live on mic, live on camera. It's going in archive. It won't happen. Respect the voodoo. Respect the ancestors. Respect those who came before. Respect the history, the legacy, the traditions, the culture that is Treme. This history is New Orleans history. Respect New Orleans and hands off Congo Square. If you want to redo, recreate, rebuild, and, and establish the Morris F. X. Jeff Senior Municipal Auditorium a, a, as a cultural hub, do that. Do that. But hands off Congo Square. Hands off the rest of the park. We don't need office building. It's not zoned for office buildings. But you want to bring the government, the, the power of of city, and put it right in the middle of this black cultural sacred ground. We understand symbolism. We understand magic. And, and, and this community right here, we 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 know and we understand what goes into architecture, what what goes into the politics and the spiritual and the magical nature of how things are done and why they're done. And we had a beloved sister last night in the meeting who demonstrated it so eloquently. She had a map of Philadelphia and a map of Los Angeles and a map of other cities and where City Hall is located, where the you know the jail and the prison and, and the police complex are located, often downtown, often in huge, powerful positions. You know, many of you are familiar with Los Angeles, got that huge promenade leading up to, you know, City Hall. And so now New Orleans wants to drop a big government, municipal, political footprint right on top of what's left of cultural Treme, historic Treme. No. No City Hall. No City Hall. No. Hands off Congo Square. Hands off Treme. Hands off. All is a blessing. Greetings, y'all. I'm just, oof, I'm overwhelmed right now. Uh, You know, Battle mode is something that I, I try not to promote. I don't talk about it a whole lot. You know, revenge and, and, and doing things to people. And, and, you know, I don't talk about that on this show. Y'all know that. I've been doing this since 2008. But I'll do anything to defend Congo Square. I, I'd go to jail to defend Congo Square. I'd sleep chained to that tree to defend Congo Square. I would, I would give up my life and my lifestyle for Congo Square, I would do anything to pretend to protect and defend Congo Square. I'll do anything to defend and protect Treme and the history and the legacy and the culture that is Treme. And, and and if you're local, get involved. I know the locals are watching me. I I know I have fans <laughs> that are watching me. You know, you, you all are critiquing every word. You're critiquing every move, every outfit, every look, every show, every appearance. I appreciate you. Critique this. Critique this. Get involved in this. This is a time for, you know, 
the, the, the enemy of my, uh, of my enemy is my friend. This is the time for people who otherwise don't talk. This is the time for people who've been ghosts for some time. This is the time for people who've been AWOL for some time. This is the time for people who are kind of doing their own thing to come back to the center and defend and protect something that affects all of us. And this is a big web, by the way. I don't have time really to go into the the big thing. This is a big web, you know, stopping certain tour companies from accessing St. Louis Cemetery, number one. Oh, yeah, we know. Oh, yeah, we know. I know it's shocking to you what I know. I know some of you think I'm isolated. Some of you think I don't know anybody in this town. Some of you would be shocked and amazed at who I know, who I rock with, who I sup coffee with, who I confer and consult with from the highest to the lowest. This is a small town, New Orleans. This is a small town. Just because we're not in the building, City Hall, don't mean we don't have people in the building, City Hall. Just because you won't communicate with me or acknowledge me directly, Mayor Cantrell, don't mean that your people don't communicate and acknowledge with me directly, Mayor Cantrell. We know about the conversations. We know about the quiet meetings. We know about the organizing and moving stealthily behind the scenes, but there's no stealth in the spirit realm. The most high sees all. The ancestors see all, and those of us who are wired up as an antenna to God, to the spirit realm, to the ancestors, we know what's happening. God works in mysterious ways, don't they say? We know what's happening. We know what's moving. We know what's being discussed. We know, you know, somebody say call her. That's been done, Neophyte core. Call her, write her, reach out to her. According to the community, the cone of silence. The cone of silence. No response. No invitation to the to conversation, to the table. No response. So, again, let me be clear. The legal heads, the professional, the degreed, they're doing their job right now. They're doing their job. All over the world, people are rallying behind this particular cause. Because not only does it affect our community, it affects the city, it affects tourism, it affects everything. It affects why you come to this city, what you come here to see and to and to experience. So this this ain't a small thing. This w- is not a quiet thing. And this will not happen. P- Poland, what happened to that plan? to move City Hall to, to the property on Poland Avenue. What happened to that? New Orleans East. You know, our beloved brother made a very valid point last night. Move tourism from, expand tourism from the city of New Orleans all the way to New Orleans East. Put City Hall out in the East. There's plenty of open, usable space in the East. You have other alternatives here in downtown, in in the commercial district of New Orleans, in the judicial district of New Orleans. Why step on what footprint remains in Treme? Why? Why try and erase what's left of this historic community? 
Why? Why? So I, I, I honor you who are here with me now. I'm grateful for my chat, my godchildren, my initiates, my clients, my friends, my family, both my cousins, um, Oloye Ifawole, Oladeji Ifantade is with me today. Of course, our beloved Iya Otun Ifatomiwa is also here with me today. And what we're going to discuss, what I set out to discuss today, um, is ATR, traditional African traditions in the Americas, in the Americas. So I'm going to start by saying, you know, the African diaspora. Well, let me introduce my co-host. Please, beloved cousin, um, give your greetings and salutations. Speak your piece, and then I'll go into the topic for today. Welcome. Uh, a better way, I should say to everybody, uh, a lot of you as well. Uh, it's a deep topic that my cousin did to, so, you know, I, I feel the energy all the way over here in Oklahoma. So, you know, today is Oshay Ifa, so let me just greet uh, Ifa. Iba uh, Shehuela. I might need to put on a helmet. I don't know, but uh, I'm excited for this topic. 
the only thing I would wish to add is um, just a um, sorry, sorry, just a uh, quick song to E5. Um, that was great, beloved. I appreciate you and your contribution, of course. Uh, both of my cousins. Um, I couldn't do it without Not at this point. Uh, we've really created a, a new thing here, and I'm getting a lot of positive feedback about the show, about the adjustments I've made in the show. Having co-hosts to give us uh, opinions about, you know, our topics, and so I'm I'm grateful for you. I do want to talk today about the uh, ATR or African traditional religions in the diaspora, and particularly in in the Americas. African diaspora religions are a number of related religions that develop in the Americas and various nations of the Caribbean, Latin America, and the southern United States. They derive from traditional African religions and some influence from other religions, traditions, and notably Christianity and Islam. African-American religions involve ancestor worship and include a creator deity, along with the pantheon of divine spirits such as Loa, Orisha, Vudon, Nkisi, and Alufi, among others. In addition to the religious synchronizing of these various African traditions, many also incorporate elements of folk Catholicism, including folk saints and other forms of folk religion, Native American religion, spiritism, spiritualism, shamanism, some including use of ethno entheogenic, in, in I can't pronounce this word, entheogens, entheogens, E-N-T-H-E-O-G-E-N-S, and European folklore. Various doctoring spiritual traditions also exist, such as obia, hoodoo, root work, which focus on spiritual health. African religious traditions in the Americas can vary. They can also have non-prominent African roots and can also almost wholly be African in nature, such as religions like the Trinidad Orisha. If we look at the Americas, Brazil, Batuque, Batuque, are a number of related religions that developed in the Americas and various nations of the Caribbean, Latin America, and Southern United States. They, der- they derive from traditional African-based root traditions. Kendable is an African diaspora religion that developed in Brazil during the 19th century. It arose through a process of synchronizing between traditional religions of West Africa and the Roman Catholic forms of Christianity. Uh, there is no central authority or control in Kandable. You have Kandable Bantu is another major branch of the nations of Kandable or religious beliefs. It developed in Portuguese empire among Congo and Mbandu slaves who spoke Kikangu and Kimbandu languages. There is Kandable Jeje 
also known as a Brazilian voodoo, is one of the major branches or nations of Candoble. It developed in the Portuguese empire among the Fon and the Airway slaves. JJ is a Yoruba word meaning stranger, which is what the Fon and Airway slaves represented to the other inhabitants of, of that land. Kandable Ketu is the largest and most influential branch or nation of Kandable. Uh, Kandable Ketu. The word Kandable means ritual dancing or gather in honor of the gods. And Ketu is the name of the Ketu region of Benin. Uh, you have Katimbo. You have Makamba. Makamba is a synchronistic religion practiced in Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, and Paraguay. It is sometimes considered by non-practitioners to be a form of witchcraft or black magic. Bakamba was originally used to categorize all religions who practiced or believed in animistic synchronization during the 1800s. You have Quimbanda is an Afro-Brazilian religion practiced primarily in the urban city centers of Brazil. You have Santo Domingue, is a synchronistic religion founded in the 1930s in the Brazilian Amazonian state of Acre. You have Tambor Damina, is an Afro-Brazilian religion. You have Umbanda, another Afro-Brazilian religion. You have Xango da Recife, a Yoruba religion practiced in Brazil. You have Abukua in Cuba, Abakua, also known sometimes as, as Naningo, is an Afro-Cuban men's initiatory fraternity or secret society, which originated from fraternal associations in the Cross River. Uh, forgive me, y'all. I'm just a little distracted. In the Cross River region of southern eastern Nigeria and southwestern Cameroon. You have the Arara religion. Arara people from the Afro-Cuban ethno-religious group descended from the Dahomey Kingdom in West Africa and retained much of their identity, religion, and culture separate from those other Afro-Cuban people. You have Cuban voodoo. You have Palo. You have Santeria. In Caraco, you have Montamentu. Montamentu is an African Cuban ecstatic religion founded in Caraco. Uh, precursors of and earlier forms may be seen in ancestor veneration in the 18th century and in 1788, a court case in which religionists were condemned by the colonial court for practicing the religion as an act of um, uh, Heresy uh, is a common word that you hear um, in, in, the, in the religious Christian community for people who don't toe the line. Uh, you have Dominican voodoo. In Guyana, you have what's called Kampha. Kampha is a folk religion in Guyana, also known as spiritualism or even faithism. The word Kampha is used by non-practitioners as a generic word for spirit possession in Guyana. You have Haitian voodoo. In Jamaica, you have a num- number of uh, ATR practices. One is called convince or convince, 
also known as Bongo or Fienke, is a religion for Eastern Jamaica, has roots in Kamina and Jamaican Maroon religion. You have Jamaican Maroon religion, otherwise known as Kamfu, was developed by a mixing of West and Central African religious practices in the Maroon communities. You have Chromanti dance or Chromanti play. Or Chromanti play is a Jamaican Maroon religious ceremony practiced by many Jamaican Maroons. It is rooted in traditional African music and religious practices, especially those of the Akan people of Ghana. The name Chromanti derives from Coromantin, which is a more historical slave fort in the Jamaican um, providence that housed many of our enslaved ancestors. You have Kumina is an Afro-Jamaican religion and practice that includes secular ceremonies, dance, and music that developed from the beliefs and traditions brought to the island by the Congo enslaved people and indentured laborers from the Congo region of West Central Africa. You have Mayal in Jamaica. You have Obia in Jamaica. And of course, you have Rastafari, Bobo Ashanti, Nyabingi, and the 12 tribes of Israel in Jamaica. In Puerto Rico, we find Espiritismo, also known as Sanse. We have in St. Lucia, Kele. Kele is an Afro-St. Lucian religion originated from the the Jine people of the Bambune region, Babuno or Babuno region. It prim, its primary deities are Ogun, Shango, and Eshu. Tele ceremonies include the drumming of the Tambo Manman or Manman and the Tambo each of the Bata drum family. In Suriname, you have what's called Winti. Winti is an Afro Suriname traditional religion that originated in South America and developed in the Dutch Empire. It is a synchronizing of religious beliefs and practices of the Akan and Fon slaves along with Christianity. Trinidad and Tobago, you have spiritual Baptist faith, which is a Christian religion created by enslaved Africans in the plantation. They came into the former British West Indies uh, countries predominantly in the islands of Grenada, St. Vincent, uh, the Grenadines, Tobago, and the Virgin Islands. And it is a synchronizing of Afro-American religion and Christianity. Trinidad and Tobago also have Trinidad Orisha, also known as Shango. Shango is a synchronistic religion in Trinidad and Tobago and is of Caribbean origin, originally from West Africa. Trinidad Orisha incorporates elements of spiritual baptism, and the closeness between Orisha and spiritual baptism has led to the use of the term Shango Baptist in the Trinidad Tobago region. Of course, in the U.S., we have Hoodoo, Gullah Voodoo, Low Country Voodoo, and we have Louisiana Voodoo, which is the platform, along with Hoodoo, in which I stand upon. And I really wanted to have this conversation for, for various reasons, uh, but primarily to, you know, again, say 
that the reason that I do this, the reason that I'm here is to ensure not that I'm known or, or, or acknowledged, not that voodoo is known or, or acknowledged, but that voodoo is returned to its rightful place in ATR tradition, and that our, our need and our desire and our hunger and our thirst to seek outside our communities, outside of our nations, outside of who, who we already are in our blood is reinforced by the awareness that we already have a past. We already have traditions right here, right here, that we need to acknowledge, that we need to build on, that we need to sometimes recreate, that we need to sometimes reinvent, that we need to support, that we need to hold up so that no other generation that comes after us seeks outside themselves for their empowerment, seeks outside themselves for their truth. Today we live in, in, in what I call a, an existence of sojourners. Everybody's looking. Everybody's seeking. Everybody's a, a student. A forgive me, neophyte, Bokor. Everybody's a neophyte. But we need to move beyond, beyond seeking and, and stand up in what's already here. Don't let anybody tell you America don't have African tradition. Don't let anybody tell you the Caribbean and South America don't have African tradition. That's my cousin Oye Ifawole eloquently said at the beginning of the show. Our ancestors came here, our ancestors came here, and they brought their traditions with them. They brought their ability to count with them. They brought their ability to remember rhythms and patterns with them. They, they brought their ability to remember how to defend themselves with them. Because we often, you know, re-victimize by, by saying they're slaves, they're without power, they, they couldn't protect themselves from enslavement. But indeed, we, we, we brought Afro, um, um, help me out, cousin, Afro defense system. Yeah, Afro, Afro-Maria methodology, you know, because they're found in the scriptures and the verses. You know, we don't, in, in African culture, there's no such thing as martial arts, per se. The, the martial sciences, uh, martial techniques are found in the Odu'ifa, uh, in the various things, as well as it's found in scriptures of Quran. Uh, and, and their uh, scriptures, it's found, their fighting methods. And, and even in Bible, you can find uh, scriptures that talk about carrying of the staff and how the staff was used you know, and, and stuff like that. So not to off the subject, but just oh, yeah, to absolutely. give you an insight. Yeah. yeah, I want people to understand, you know, we've got to move beyond the narrative of we have no gods, we have no mm-hmm. tradition, we have no practice. Because, again, it reinforces that desire to look outside ourselves for something that we already have. So I welcome your comments, your participation. I got Quabina. <laughs> From uh, my, one of my Facebook friends, he, he has joined us. Ofari Mensa um, has also joined us. Um, we welcome you. If you have questions, if you have comments, please share with us. Kwabina, greetings, beloved. Can you hear me? Thank you for being with us today. Did you have something you want to say or, or add to the conversation about us sort of recapturing African traditions? here in, in in America and how we move forward in that? Uh, what is the question again? 
Okay. <laughs> We're talking about traditional yeah. African religious systems here in America. Okay. And, and, and yes, we seek Ghana, we seek Nigeria, we appreciate West Africa for, for reclaiming us as family and providing a pathway for many of us into these traditions. But I also want to reestablish and make it known that we brought these traditions here with us and that we are actively operating in these traditions here in America and have been doing so for generations. That is not always acknowledged by some of our West African families. It's not always acknowledged here in America, sometimes even among ourselves. So, so I invite you to you know, listen if you want to just listen, but if you want to speak or participate, I'm giving you the opportunity to do so. Um, Ofari Mensa, I offer you the same invitation. If you have a question, a comment, something you want to add, um, please join in. Okay. Um, I don't know. See, because of Christianity and Islam, you know, we are, we are losing our culture and our tradition. You know, people have been very much that, you know, African spirituality is demonic, you know, and they are just children us to go there. And sometimes to seek, you know, knowledge from the elders is very difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. We want our elders to find that our elders are close, which, you know, it's, it's quite sad, you know. We are losing our traditions. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the way we are facing Africa now. Yeah. And, and if I may, you're in, in Ghana, right? No, I'm in the States now. Oh, you're in the States now. Okay. Okay, great, great. We certainly appreciate yeah. it. Um, you and I have been social media friends for quite some time. Um, I feel yeah. like I've seen you grow up, and I, I've seen you really evolve um, as a person, as yeah. an individual. I appreciate your resharing yeah. the history. Uh, he shares a lot of the history, you know, in, in his post, and, and we're grateful for that. Uh, and and welcome you. to the U.S. Yeah. Um, is my one of my friends. Okay, greetings, beloved. We can't see your face. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. Well, welcome, Holland. We certainly appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. I want to. <laughs> thank you. I want to remind my um, my listening audience that if you will, you know, our phone lines are open at area code eight four five two seven seven nine one four three. Both the chat and the phone lines are open in Blog Talk Radio. If you do not have access to your webcam. You can also utilize the uh, URL that is uh, scrolling at the bottom of the screen. I'm trying to copy and paste it. And then I'm going to uh, put that back in the chat so that if you uh, will, you can also copy and paste that and use that to do as our guests have done and turn on your webcam and your mics and, and be a part of the conversation. Uh, I think this is more important than anything. Uh, I've been saying over the years that 
you know, our salvation here in America is indeed in ATR, whether it be voodoo, whether it be Ifa, whether it be any of the other ethnic traditions, some of the traditions that I, that I mentioned a, a little while ago here in America. I know some of you aren't aware that there are and are present so many traditions in uh, the Americas, even among the Portuguese-speaking, even among the Spanish-speaking, that are, are active here in the Americas. And I think that's important for us to know. Um, I, I pulled that information from Wikipedia. I pulled that information from Wikipedia. So if you're um, interested in looking at it, just type um, African diaspora religion, and it should pull up, you know, in your, in your Wikipedia. And it is a, a great foundation for us to build upon, to grow from. Now, some of my friends and family, you know, have been initiated, have gone to Africa, have gone to Ghana, have gone to Nigeria, you know, have had, had a great experience and have brought those traditions back to the U.S. And I often ask that question among friends, family, fans. You know, I don't say frenemies anymore. I just say fans. Um, how are you now sharing that? How are you now planting those seeds here in the America so that that fruit, those trees, that crop now grows up in America and continues to grow. Um, some of my peers have had some experiences, you know, with some of the traditional outlets in, in West Africa and, and, and thus have had their sense of liberty limited or their sense of empowerment within the traditions limited. And I have always said that that was a problem, particularly for African-Americans. It's much easier often for Brazilians, for uh, Cubanos, for other ethnic groups to have access to the tradition than the Americans, the black Americans here in in North America. And church has always been the go-to. Church, Islam became a go-to. Even Judaism uh, for a moment became a go-to. I think Whoopi Goldberg and Sammy Davis Jr. and a few other public figures um, embraced Judaism, you know, as a religion. But but when we're looking at ATR, we're looking beyond just religion. And I don't say organized anymore because culture is organized. There, there's no such thing as disorganized culture. So so ATR is absolutely organized cultural, ethnic, cultural religion. And it's in our blood. It's in our practices. It's in the movement of the hip. It's in, it's in how we respond to rhythms. It's indeed how we respond to God and how we respond to life on life's terms. So I will have my guests, my co-hosts who are present with me on, on screen to please share your experience. Please, please tell your stories. Please share your information about not just further developing traditions. And, and Quabina, I would hope that, you know, as a young man, that you can bring to America, you know, some of your root culture, some of your root tradition, and, and teach people about how you grew up and, and what your grandparents taught you and what, and what you saw you know, in Africa uh, as a child growing up, and and then how we can 
benefit from that knowledge and that information here in, in the state as a community. Are you willing to do that for me? Uh, first of all, I didn't grow up with my grandparents because when I was a kid, both of my grandparents died. So once the fifth year, I was doing a lot of research, you know, about African spirituality, also learning about different, you know, cultures around Africa. So I grew up in a like Christian home. Like my mom is Pentecostal, and my dad is Presbyterian. So yeah, I grew up a Christian, and then I became a Muslim. You know, trying to learn much about different, you know, faith. I actually wanted to practice Judaism, but, you know, I changed my mind. I said, oh, you know, this Abrahamic religion, this, you know, there's no need to be a Jew. So when I was researching them, you know, as much about, you know, the African to the African spirituality, you know, we have different types. We have Ifar, we have Udu, you know, they are different, 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 you know, you know, spirituality. So basically, um, like my heritage is kind of, you know, diverse. Like my mom, my mom studies, you know, Ghanaian, uh, Lesotho as well. My dad studies Ghanaian, Sengalese. And some part of it, he told me that his paternal great grandfather's father is from Belize. So it's kind of like from the Garifuna, you know, people. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting to learn much about, you know, the spirituality as well. So like it's kind of the tra- the tradition you know I have a lot of children children grow up with my grandparents. Now one thing I have found okay you in America and also in Africa is that the point of libation and I did a research about the Maroon people and their kind quarters the same. We have something called PBC rights. You know, the Gadangi College, the Gadangi, which they call they call Pimpo, the kind of call Bravo, Bravo. So, like, at the at good age, some sometimes they think they learn how to be a woman. You know, there's a lot of stuff to them, how to be a responsible woman, how to cook. You know, there are a lot of stuff to see them. It's like, it's our type of education before. Well, we appreciate that. Um, we really do. That was very um, beneficial and edifying for, for us to hear. Um, you and I have a lot of things in common. Uh, I was born here in the States. Uh, I grew up okay. apostolic. Apostolic is not very far removed from Pentecostal. Uh, I grew yeah. up in, a, in a, what we would now call prosperity ministry, but I grew up in a mega church. Uh, in the D.C., okay. Maryland, Virginia area. Uh, I was a minister of music. I, I was on the path to becoming a minister uh, in, in, some, okay. in some form or another. And so at a very young age, I was out on the street and out in the world, and, and just like you and many others in our, in our audience of various ages, started, you know, looking inward and looking at ourselves, and that led us to traditional African religious systems. That led us to indigenous religious practices all over the world. So we're grateful for your experience, for your story. Many of us can relate. Uh, yeah, it's not. Story. It's, I can say it's not even, you know, even though I live with my mom and soon I'm trying to get my own place. You know, practicing the African faith is kind of difficult. You know, they brainwash them that, you know, yeah. food is demonic. Yeah, so 
sometimes he has to hide. Yeah. Yeah. Do what everybody want to do. I can't even have a shrine in the house. Yeah. 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 We talk about that a lot on the show and, and among this particular community, you know, depending on who you're living with, you know, sometimes it's not just a parent, it's a grandparent. Sometimes it's the spouse, yeah. you know, who's committed to, you know, these dominant world religions. And, and so many people are in your position, you know, are, are trying to, you know, find, you know, separate or independent housing are trying to actively grow within their tradition, you know, without necessarily causing a problem, you know, with their mother, you know, or, or in their in their peer group. And we support you in that. We really do. I support you, and I'm sure my cousins, um, Oloye Ifawole and Otan, uh, also, you know, support you in your endeavors. So, so if you need an ear, if you need some support, if you need an elder or, or even someone in your own age group to talk to, you know, we're here for you, and we invite, you know, you and Ofari and anyone else, you know, to be a part of this community. Know that you're not alone in this. Know that you're not isolated in this. And, mm-hmm. and there's always a resource. There's always somebody you can go to. There's always an option. So I don't want you to ever feel like you're, you know, stuck, you know. So we appreciate you. Again, your story resonates, you know, with my own story. And, and both of my parents are well-known evangelical ministers. So even as an adult, well into my 30s, um, there was a part of me that was still either trying to appease them or, or, or at least at the, at the minimum not offend them by what I said or did or what I represented. But that didn't work for very long. I, I really had to empathize first with my mother in particular about her commitment to to evangelical Christianity and then teach her, you know, what I was doing, what I was getting involved with, who I was becoming. And now we have a great relationship. Now she she has an understanding um, of what I'm doing and what we're doing as a community that she did not have, you know, 20 years before. So you still have the opportunity to be a demonstration for your family, both here in the States and in, in Ghana, and those who might come behind you as to how we can now live and operate in ATR, traditional African-based religious system, uh, coexist, if nothing else, with, with what else is going on, you know, in our world. So this is a great topic for you to be a part of and, and to share. That's really at the root of why I wanted to do this show. We have options. We have options. We do have to continue this Christian, Catholic, Evangelical, Islamic, Judaic, you know, option that, that's been presented to us for, for many generations. We can be the originators. We can be the builders. We can be the ancestors that those who come after us look to for guidance. I don't seek a footprint. Hear me clearly. Congo Square, City Hall, Mayor Cantrell, my audience, hear me clearly. I don't want to leave a footprint. I seek to leave a path. A path. I don't seek to leave a footprint. I seek to leave a path that people behind us can follow, can stand on, can grow from. Um, please come on in, Otan, Oloye. Come on in, Ofari. Don't let me do all the talking. 
Well, you know, when we talk about the traditions here in America, of course, we talk about even from before pre this so-called discovering America fallacy and all that. You know, we're talking about 1300s where already there was established training and communication between our forefathers, our ancestors, and those throughout the globe, not just here in what we deem as the Americas, but throughout the globe. They traveled all over the globe to, to uh, be, be out there to train, to see what was out there, to see the different peoples of different areas. And so in that, the tradition then is all over the world because before even the transatlantic slave trade here, the communication and even those who might have stayed in those areas brought with them the spirituality, the technology, the, the different aspects of our culture to all over the world. So in that, we look at maybe the ancient uh, cultures. And many of the ancient cultures have a very similar form of spirituality than those of us that do African traditional spirituality. And so when we look at it, we can say, okay, maybe during our training and our travels, we laid a little bit of information on them. And then they maybe they were already doing some things that were similar. And so now the amalgamation, right? So we start off with that. And then we go through the transatlantic slave trade. And we know that on purpose, the slave masters putting us together with those that were considered rival, I don't like to use the word tribe, but from an easy word, rival factions and tribes or communities that in the beginning, we did not really comprehend the, the, the level of what was happening, and we were still arguing and fighting amongst each other, which still happens today, unfortunately. But now we look at it, and we say, and we finally figured out, we have a common enemy, and our enemy is not me and you that look like this. The common enemy is those who are enslaving us. So now you bring together maybe aspects of those who came from Yarabalan, to those who came from Benin, to those who came from Ghana, from those who came from Togo, from those who came from wherever the, they took us from in this transatlantic slave trade. And then let's say this person was young and he knew a little bit about the spirituality that he came from. And this person maybe was young and knew about some of the spirituality, and then they started bringing these aspects together to formulate like what you guys do in New Orleans and bring together a methodology that still had the ashe, the energetic power to do what needed to be done, but bring it into a fashion where all of these things were placed and implemented together. Those that had maybe the elders with them that came from these lands, from Yaraba lands, Maybe they had the blessing of having Ifa so that they could now go from the, from the base to more of, okay, they knew the, how to do the initiations and some of the different rituals and the different things, right? And so 
you look at maybe how certain things were done in Cuba, certain things done in Puerto Rico, certain things done in certain areas, and maybe there were slight differences based on the community that the, the people came from, but much of it was similar. Much of it embodied the same elements. And then those that had to amalgamate with the Catholicism or the Christianity in order to survive and found a way that the saints and the Orisha, this saint coinciding with that Orisha, all of those particular aspects, it wasn't lost on here in America because many of those same things had to happen. So now we look at today, and we know that we cannot do everything exactly like our, our people in Nigeria. There are certain things that maybe here that we try to do, it wouldn't be considered well in the community, in the law, or, or you know, in, 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 in around uh, what we got to do. So maybe we have to then uh, evaluate and switch up this for that, but it doesn't take away the ashe for those who have done the research and have done their trial and error. So now we look at the tradition today. And the tradition today, of course, we have free travel. Many, many, many people traveling back to Africa to get deeper wisdom and understanding and knowledge, whether it's Nigeria, whether it's Benin, whether it's Ghana, or any other place where they're practicing the spiritual system thereof. And now we have people who have traveled back and forth, back and forth. I honor the, the Maya rule. You know, uh, who traveled back close to 30 times to receive these levels and the information that many have not had the opportunity to be able to ascertain. And now as we ascertain more of this information, it can bring us closer to the traditional methodology. Although here in America, we might be developing things in a slightly different way. That is what the elders want to do, us to do. They want to make sure that we can uh, bring the traditions here and then to, to do the things that we have to do to switch this or that with what we have available here, but still keep the divine essence and the core and the foundation of the tradition as a whole. So now we have to continue to grow in the way of African Americans, as well as keeping strict, I mean, keeping to the foundational roots of that from wherever our tradition stems from, in order to make this tradition part of our everyday being here. I hope that makes sense. It absolutely does. It um, it coincides with some of my uh, research and uh, some information that I had intended to to share today at the top of the show. Um, of course, I was a little emotional, you know, after what happened last night at that Congo Square meeting. So I didn't kind of go smoothly into the beginning of the show the way I normally do. I wanted to start by saying Africans forced into slavery in America brought with them a diverse range of African mm-hmm. polytheistic and Muslim religious traditions. These traditions were likely synchronized with one another and with Christianity in America. The diverse immigrant, I'm sorry, the, the diverse religious, the diverse American religious traditions 
that trace their lineage back to the religious traditions of African slaves and African immigrants played an important role in the fight for civil rights in the middle of the 20th century. And they continue mm-hmm. to inform fights for civil rights and against injustice today. Even some wayward plans to move City Hall to Congo Square. Having established a constitutional framework for political and religious freedom, America is still uh, lived with the disquieting lie of its harshest institution, slavery. Mm-hmm. There had long been vocal cries of, of slavery, such as the Quaker Anthony ben- Benazette in 1772, who called for an end to the barbaric traffic of the slave trade. But on the whole, the spirit of liberty and justice for all has never extended to the African captives enslaved in America. The first decades of the 19th century brought up, brought up to head the deep contradictions between American ideas and its practices of enslavement. From the standpoint of America's ongoing encounter with religious difference, the institution of slavery played a tremendous role in shaping American religious life. It brought African religious traditions, both West African tribal traditions and Islam, to American shores and created a, a crucible of opposition out of which rose new African-American forms of Christian worship and expression. Mm-hmm. Slavery forced white Americans to rethink their own religious identity struggling with the deepest dictates of their conscience and the practices of their churches. Many denominations split over the questions raised. And I've mm-hmm. said, you know, many times on this show, there wouldn't be any Christianity in America to speak of without the black experience. There wouldn't be any spirit in the church without the black culture and experience. The West Africans brought to North America carried with them a rich variety of African tradition, belief, and practice. But little is documented of the first hundred years of their religious lives here. Their original religious tradition respected the spiritual power of ancestors, and they often worshipped a diverse pantheon of God, overseeing all aspects of daily life. The passage of seasons, the fertility of the natural world, physical and spiritual health, and the success of the community. Their religious life had included initiation rites and naming rituals, folk tales and healing practices, ecstatic dance and song. This religious life clearly took new forms as Africans were separated from one another and from their roots. Many scholars today would argue that the ring shout of the Gullah Geechee of early black Christian worship is a development of African aesthetic dance traditions, and that the call and response rhythm of black preaching, black homodity, and gospel music has its roots in the song styles of West Africa. With the, West, uh, with the African slave trade, the first sizable group of Muslims also came to America. While slave trade statistics are fraught with imprecision, and the existence of Islam was frequently not recognized by those keeping data, it has been estimated that somewhere between 10% and 30% of the slaves brought to America between 1711 and 1808 were Muslim. 
They brought their practice of prayer, their fasting and dietary practices, and their knowledge of the Quran with them to the American shores. Bilalila Fula, Bilalila Fula, for example, was a slave on the Sea Islands of Georgia in the late 18th and early 19th century. According to all accounts, Bilalila gave his children Muslim names, wore a fez and a long coat, spoke French, English, and Arabic, and was finally buried with his prayer rug and his Quran. Other early American Muslims whose accounts have been recorded include Salia or Sali, S-A-L-I-H, Sali Balila, a slave on St. Simon's Island, Georgia, and Omar Ibn Said. I know Ibn means the son of Omar Ibn Said, who left behind an autobiographical narrative. Thus, in the early years of African slavery, the religious traditions of West Africa already blended in a synchronistic way with Islam, were no doubt part of the American religious landscape. Slave narratives written by the children or grandchildren of African-born slaves sometimes included recollections of traditional African religions and Islamic prayers. Eventually, these traditions became intertwined with Christianity as it developed among the slaves. There is a lively scholarly debate today as to whether African religious beliefs and practices really survived the pressures of slavery or instead were eradicated as slaves converted to Christianity. And that's why I keep this topic going, because we're willing to acknowledge Kandable. We're willing to acknowledge Lukumi and, and, and Sanse and Santeria and Paulo. But we don't acknowledge many of the other African-based traditions that are alive and well in South America, in the Caribbean, and indeed here in North America and other parts of the world. Many scholars argue that African traditions changed radically, but also persisted at what some have called Africanism in African-American religious culture. And so that's, you know, having a black Baptist church, but they wear kente cloth. And they, you know, drum African rhythms, and they bring other, you know, naming ceremonies, uh, uniquely African-based um, wakes and, and funerary ceremonies. Indeed, here in New Orleans, we have the second line. Uh, it's not a parade. It's not a party. It's a, it's a sacred funerary rite that we perform here in, in New Orleans. And so when, you're, when you die, and depending on how well you love typically the bigger the second line. And there's a brass band, and there's people with tamarines, and there are people dressed in their black masking cultural uh, uh, implements, whether that be baby dolls or skull and bones or Mardi Gras Indians, you know, or second line crews. This is an, an extension. Uh, I'm kind of careful with recreation, but an, an extension of West African tradition. And we see it in not only West Africa, we see it in the Caribbean, we see it in Brazil, we see it in Haiti, and and we see it in many places in the so-called New World. But somehow black Americans are accused of being the most bastardized. Black Americans are considered as being the lowest on the totem pole in terms of those who have some authentic connection to our ancestral roots. I am a living witness to dispel that. I know many others 
going back to the 50s who, who, who can dispel that just by their lifestyle, just by their demonstration, just by their contributions to African dance, to African drumming, to African language, to African culture. I acknowledge Dr. Karenga and, and, and Kwanzaa, another major contribution to keeping ATR, traditional African religious systems, alive in not just the Americas, but particularly North America and among black Americans here, here on the continent. The early white resistance to Christian missionary efforts among the African slaves is well known. White colonialists feared the slave conversion would require their owners to emancipate them, and the Africans were too brutish to benefit, or that the conversion would inspire insubordination and, and revolt. What that means is, in the early days, they didn't want us to learn Christianity. They didn't want us to have any contact with the Bible, because they feared that that knowledge, that information would empower us to a position of freedom and the seeking of our own freedom. And moreover, the scarcity of missionaries affected not only blacks, but whites as well. Albert J. Roboto, considered the leading expert on slave religion, concludes that during the first 120 years of black slavery in British North America, Christianity made very little headway in the slave population. But with the Great Awakening of the 1740s, Methodist and, and Baptist movements made inroads into the slave population of the South. For many slaves, Christianity once adopted, I'm sorry, once adapted to their situation, became a deeply held faith and a means of self-preservation. Slaves also identified themselves with both the people of Israel, held in captive in Egypt, and with the poor and downtrodden to whom Christ promised the greatest rewards are in heaven. Both in sermon and in song, the enslaved lifted up these themes of hope, freedom, justice in their expressions of Christianity. So they transformed Christian faith and worship into their own distinct idioms. And in doing so, they made a profound and lasting contribution to the shape of American Christianity and American music, gospel, now they call it uh, inspirational, you know, or, or spiritual music. But, but it all has its roots in, in our blood, in our sweat, in our tears, in our tradition. As a former evangelical Christian, apostolic, Pentecostal, I saw the transition in music and in performance in, in the white church between the 1970s and 1980s and going into the 1990s. And, and you started seeing white uh, soloists and vocalists and, and musicians that had embraced black culture, that had sat at the at the foot of James Cleveland and Shirley Caesar and and, and, mm-hmm. the, and the Hawkins family and absorbed that into their tradition, absorbed that into their churches, because we know the numbers, their numbers are falling and still continues to fall off in those churches. And so, without our fire, without our power, without our energy. I still say there wouldn't be any Christianity in America. There wouldn't be no churches in America, save for those churches that, that are, as I've, I've tried to describe, have become Africanized to their core. 
have absorbed and uh, and uh, synchronized, and in some cases appropriated our traditions into the very foundation of of their practice. Uh, foot washing came from us, uh, brother Anthony X. Fasting came from us and, and those Islamic traditions that that survived hidden among the many other traditions that are, that are in the world. So so fasting. An Islamic tradition made its way into the church, and now many of you think that that's a church thing. And 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 I'm hard pressed right now, even in my mind, to find a scripture that even supports fasting. So, without us, there would not be. Without mm-hmm. us, there wouldn't be an America. There wouldn't be the America without our hard work, sweat, and tears. Those are the, those who came before our ancestors. And I'm now continuing it. But I see an issue. I see a problem at the soul level, at the heart level, at the emotional level, at the mental and intellectual level, and particularly when it comes to our black boys and girls who are still targeted by the economic machine that is the judicial system, who are still targeted by, you know, cops who are really doing what cops are trained to do within the dynamics of that system. Kill, kill the enemy. Maim and bind the enemy. And so our young people don't want to hear about Christianity. Don't want to hear about Islam. Our young people see that as a weakness. Our young people look back at this history and again ask the question, why are we not free? Why are we not any more liberated? Why are we not any more progressive? We, we are not only denying our, our black boys and our black girls, but our transgendered boys and girls. We're denying every aspect of our future. And when I look to Hollywood, when I look to, you know, Star Trek, Star Trek, the next generation, ain't, ain't that many black people. They see a future where there will be very little black people. Oh, your genes might hang around. Henrietta Lacks, blood might still be utilized, you know, to create new medicines and, and new forms of protecting us from, from bacteria and disease. But there'll be very little of us if, if we don't fight for it now, if we don't defend for it now, if we don't learn it even as adults now and have something to, to share and to pass on to our friends, our family, our children, your children's children. Because if you have children, then you got a lot of kids. Because your kids have friends. Your kids are in the community. Your children go to church. Your children go to school. Your, your children go out into the world. And so what they carry with them, those seeds that we plant as elders, as adults, as leaders, as practitioners, you don't plant seeds not expecting fruit to come up. And you don't plant seeds not expecting the, the fruit, the vegetable, the plant that you intended to come up. We weed that out. And so if we want this to be respected, if we want this to be honored, we must respect it. We must honor it. And I'm still in a quandary about that word witchcraft and witch. It is often and was often used to demonize, as my, um, my brother said, um, um, Quabina, it was utilized to, to demonize us and, and to cause our parents and, and our elders who are operating in, in those religions to see what we do is somehow witchcraft. 
as somehow mm-hmm. demonic, as somehow wicked, because it all translates to evil and wicked. You know, when they when they start using those words, I, I understand taking back a word. You know, there was a time people wanted to reclaim bitch, and now somehow being a bad bitch is, is a good thing. I know there was a move to, to reclaim nigga, you know, and, and now it's okay for black people to, you know, rap nigga and call each other nigga, but, but if you white or something, don't dare say nigga, you know, and in my house, we don't use the word at all. With my parents, we, we don't use the word at all, you know, so I understand the idea of, of taking a word and, and wanting to reclaim it, reshape it, but that's not happening, beloved. That's not happening. And, and when you heard me list the traditions in ATR that are active, that are in existence now, that was a list of traditions that are active in the system now. You did not hear me say witchcraft. You only heard me say witchcraft when I explained how white people perceived what we were doing. They perceived it as witchcraft. You didn't hear us define ourselves as witches and, and practicing witchcraft. So that's why this topic is important. That's why this is important. And Congo Square is important to me at every level. Tourism, culture, green space, I acknowledge all of that. All of that. But it's more than just jazz, beloved. It's more than just gospel, beloved. It's also ATR. It's also voodoo, hoodoo, ifa, the akan, the ga, the gullah, all those people that came together in that shared safe space that still is Congo Square and drummed and danced and taught and shared those traditions and kept those traditions alive. And that's why we have Louisiana voodoo, authentic Louisiana voodoo. That's why we have hoodoo and root work and conjure. And, of course, IFA and all the organized ATR systems that still breathe life in the city of New Orleans. So that space is very important in, in maintaining our history and maintaining our culture and maintaining our traditions. Um, oh, Tom, beloved, did you have something you wanted to say? Oh, <laughs> Yes, thank you. Um, I, I've just been enjoying all of the contributions. It's been it, it's definitely a lot has spoken to me and my story. Um, I also grew up um, in the church. My mother uh, is a Baptist minister, and I see a lot of the, the similarities um, when from going to church to what I now practice in Ifa and what I have seen as far as um, the older women of the church who we call the mothers. Um, usually there were a couple in my mother's church and, you know, they could, the women could pray and they would have their handkerchiefs and give their, give their prayer handkerchiefs out and, you know, people, if you have an illness or stuff, things like that, they'll give you the handkerchief and you Put it wherever the, the problem is and some kind of, you know, then you're healed. And I've seen all kind of things. And this isn't stuff that I've heard about. I've literally seen people going through actual physical ailments and then take that and see uh, 
things when you fall, when you, when you have an issue and you have a reading and you're on Ebo and, and, and looking at the things that happen. And I've seen so many similarities. Um, I also uh, was taught uh, when I was in the church that um, I was not aware of the different forms of ATR. All I ever heard about was voodoo and it was bad and demonic and all the usual things that they're taught. And I can attest to that because that is something that was spoke of. That is that is exactly what was taught. Um, so I, I just give thanks that I was able to have that base, to have that connection, the spirit, to be able to gain the understanding and see the connection. Uh, because I went through a time where... Um, it was it was hard going to church because I knew I knew that I had a connection to God. I knew I had a connection to Spirit, but I just knew church was not it. Um, I'd sit in church and uh, and in my mother's church, you know, they had music and ooh, that's why it's a thing. And people catching the Holy Ghost and even uh, even uh, other people that were my age at that time. I've seen children catch the Holy Ghost, and we would be in church, and they would be catching it, and then we would be sitting on the same pew, and I'd be like, yeah, here we come, and whoop, just right over me, and I'm like, <laughs> and it was heartbreaking because I just felt like I'm not, it was, it was hard to understand, like, where do I fit into all of this, and I know a lot of people can, can uh, resonate with that because it took a long, long time a long, long time uh, for me to come to my own discoveries. And a lot of them were painful. A lot of them were painful in realizing that, okay, so it's not church, but what do I do? Where do I go? I don't know who to talk to. And it was hard. And I did a lot of praying. And I give thanks that that people were put in my path to help me and so I can have the connection. Um, a door opened. I was able to get connected with a uh, African-centered homeschool co-op here named Fahudi Shule. Um, and that family, they're a con. I was able to go to different events. Uh, they, her husband runs a, a Kwanzaa collective called the Kwanzaa Collective here. They do big Kwanzaa events and different things and Black Marriage Day. I was able to get a lot of information, experience the life. And slowly transition that from me to my family, because it's not just something that you practice. Like if I is a lifestyle. What I have learned thus far, I have started to teach my children because they're homeschooled. So part of their learning, instead of going, okay, well you need to learn Spanish or French, or they're learning Yoruba. They know small things, you know, I teach them basic greetings, you know, different days and things like that. So I just think that as I grow, as I learn, I teach them what I know so they can pass that on, so they can have an understanding of who they are, mm-hmm. their lineage, what, what's destined for them, so they can find their own connection. Because I went through a lot, because... A lot of people think that that spiritual walk is daisies and flowers and the sun is shining and wind is blowing. And what it is is uh, Janet Jackson and Why Did I Get Married Part 2. Remember when her hair was crazy and she was shaking and sweating like a beast? That's what it is for real. 
Your self-reflection is standing in your mess. Acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And it's the willingness to change. And to put that foot forward is not about what you know, because there's power in operating in what you know. There is power in simplicity. You don't have to be ordained this and nominated that. You don't have to be all of that because your walk, your connection is yours. Nobody has the right to say what that should look like. That's between you and the Most High. That's between you and Oliver Maya or, or whoever you subscribe to. That's right. That's right. And, and standing so, your truth. And, and it's important that we teach our children to be secure in who they are. Because when they go out in the world, it's going to be many opinions. It's going to be many things, many this, wanting to pull you like this, pull you like that. And I teach them, it's all right to stand out. You're not meant to be cookie cutter. That's right. And, and beloved, you know, Anthony X, you've been to my house. You have sat on my mat. <laughs> so I, I feel you, beloved. I understand, but I don't understand the ego that you try and demonstrate here in the chat. If you know more than we do, if you got it all down, if, if you got a God cast, where is it and what time is it broadcast? We might support you, but, but I don't understand the need, what you get from trying to disprove what I got to say. Okay, so, so, so Jesus fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. What's that mean? We're not here to teach the Bible. I'm not here to support Christianity. I'm not here to support Islam. I'm here to support Louisiana voodoo. And, and ATR as, as an extension of that. So forgive me if I ain't got the biblical part together. I'm, I'm trying to forget the biblical part. If that's important to you, do, do your God cast. But, but you don't have to come here every day and try and challenge me and try and disprove what I say or try and prove that you know more than what I say. Where is your podcast? How many listeners do you have? I just might come and participate in your audience. But you ain't got to do that here. It's not necessary. And, and I've ignored it. I've ignored it. I've overlooked it. Come on, bro. It's, it's old now. It's old now. We got bigger things to fight for in Louisiana. We got much bigger things to fight for. And whether you're a Muslim, a Christian, a Jew, a voodoo practitioner, an a, a, a Islamic practitioner, an Ifa practitioner, we got to say Congo Square for everybody, not just for those who think they know more, not just for the gods, not just for the goddesses. We got to save Congo Square for everybody. And thus, we got to save ATR for everybody, for everybody, no, no matter what branch of it you're, you're developing in. Like Otan, you find yourself, you, you find your path, you find your, your branch, you find your village, you find your community. In this space, revolutionary hoodoo, New Orleans voodoo secrets and recipes. I'm not trying to be accurate on the Bible. I'm not trying to be accurate on the Quran. That, that, that's in my past. It's only a reference to history. It's only a reference to where we are for me. For me. And I have many Christian listeners. My mom is one of them. I have many Islamic listeners. And, and they, they, they share they participate, and then they move back to their village, and then they feed their house. Feed your house, bro. Feed your house. And, and as Otan said, you got, you got to humble yourself. 
No matter what age you are in this, no matter what title you are in this, no matter what grade or level you believe yourself to be in this, there's a spirit of humility that mature spiritual persons carry so that they don't close their ears off to, to news, so that they don't close their minds off to information, so that they don't close their minds off to knowledge. Because what you think you know it all and you got it down, you're in trouble. You, you, you've backed yourself into a corner. So share, bring your information, bring your love and your support, but back up on the ego. I, my, I got my daddy's blood. I don't handle ego, ego well. <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to be street. I'm not trying to be, you know, who got the bigger chest, who, who got the, you know, that ain't never been me. That ain't never been me. I've navigated thugs and criminals and, and gang members in many communities in America from here. Not from my chest, not, not from my fist. But from here. And so I built this sacred space. I created this sacred space December 2008. 2008. So I ask you, I ask anybody listening with, no, with more knowledge, with no, more awareness than me, where is your classroom? You, I, offer us an opportunity to participate in your classroom. But here, we got this. <laughs> here, we got this. We got this. Uh, I'm grateful for this um, for this topic. I really am. I think it's at the, the root of who we are as a people. It's at the root of what we're all searching for, what we all desire, what we all want, whether it's Quabina, whether it's Otan, whether it's Oloye, whether it's Afari, whether it's myself. We are all seeking greater degrees of who we already are and to reconnect back to the source. And, and as I said earlier, I'm not here to leave a footprint. I'm not here to, to leave a trail because trails are hard to find. I'm here to leave a path, a path in which those around us and those behind us can follow without having to wander without having to seek way out the way many of us have had to seek, without having to struggle through to find the center the way many of us have had to struggle through just to get to this place where we are. My goal is to make this easier for the next person. My goal is to make this simpler for the next person to see, to identify, and to follow. That's my goal. There ain't a whole lot of ego in that. There ain't a whole lot of reward in that. The reward comes from the fruit. The fruit, the trees, the fruit, the plants that, that bear usable sustenance for our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. That's always been my goal, if that ain't clear. That's always been my goal. That's always been my purpose. And many of you have been following me in social media for over a decade. You know that. You know what I post. You know what Corbina posts. You know what Tony Val posts. You know what Denise Augustine posts. This has always been our, our focal point. And so if we don't get the Catholicism right, if we don't get the Islam right, forgive me. If I don't get the Bible right, forgive me. I'm trying to forget that. I'm trying to move away from that. 
it still binds our people to the system. It still binds our people to the oppressor in a way that's not benefiting us, that's not fruitful for us. We got black uh, uh, priests, and I guess we got, well, we never had a black pope, but we got black high leaders in the Catholic Church. We got black high leaders in evangelical ministries. We've got great imams and, and great, you know, people of color who stand in these traditions. Yet we're still fighting against police lynching. Yet we're still fighting against systematic oppression, systematic racism, you know, white supremacy. How do we fight that? How do we battle that? I offer that it's in it's in voodoo. I offer that if we use the example of of the Caribbean, if we use the example of of Haiti, if we use the example of the Guacamon, it's it's in our traditions. It's in ATR. It's in ATR. So we need to build a foundation beneath these traditions within the umbrella of ATR, and then grow them and create access ways for people to come in. A neophyte for cool. Greetings, beloved. I see you popped on screen, so you must have something to say. Yeah, just a few uh, things. Thanks for having me on. As always, it's great to be here amongst family. Man. Uh, just to bring something up. If, you, if we haven't figured out that we're literally at war, like spiritual war, warfare, being waged against us. If you, if you don't, if you need more motivation, well, look at Santeria. I mean, 40 of their sacred shrines were bulldozed along the border, right? Trying to build a, a quote-unquote wall, trying to combat uh, what they put in front of us as uh, mafia warfare, drug warfare, under the bulldozed the monuments down there. They bulldozed them, ran right the heck over one of us and took them out. Uh, over, over 40 of them. I, I mean, like, not only are their gods, uh, their uh, spiritual cultures being um, attacked, but that is a direct link to us as well. I mean, where, where do you think we're going to go next? Here we are, where they're trying to put a government building on top of our sacred land. They did this in Washington. They did this in New York. They, I mean, look at all the different places that are strung out across the United States. It's always usually put right on top of some African-American, African sacred ground, burial ground. The only other people that are, that are really actually trying to combat this and still doesn't get put in the media as much is the Native Americans. But this warfare is waged, and it's, it will, if you're just now hearing about it, I'm sorry, you're late to the party. You have to stand up in this culture. You have to stand up in this tradition because we are literally under attack uh, uh, politically, spiritually, physically, all of the above. They're out for our heads. And I, I really don't want to bring it negative, but I just want to fire up some people around here and like, look, this is real. Whether it's a conspiracy or not, receipts are a fact. And here's a receipt right here, a whole meeting that, that 
the Divine Prince posted on his Instagram page, where you can see that they're literally trying to petition to put this building on top of a sacred place and like they just kind of disregard it. Like it's oh it, it's all right, you can put it on top of Congo Square. What? What do you mean? If you're not upset at this, if this doesn't hit right here, something wrong. I mean, it hurts me, and I'm out here. I'm not even from Louisiana. I mean, my fa- some of my family may be, but this should hurt every black person's heart across this land. This should this should be like directly pointed at you. Congo Square is under attack. You should be upset, hands down. Period. Forgive me for being upset, but I am. This is the time. This is the time to be upset. This is the time to be emotional. This is the time to to air your feelings and your grievances, but then mobilize. Become a part of the mobilization. And and we're going to need people, not just here in town, but we're going to need people all over the world to write about this, to comment about this, to contact our city about this, to contact the mayor and question her about this, to contact City Hall and question them about this. This is the time. Your, your feelings are warranted in this moment. Your emotionalism is warranted in this moment. There are much bigger things to fight for rather than dominance. There are much bigger things to fight for rather than ego. There are much bigger things to fight for rather than titles and positions, you know, in our community. Who writes the grants and, and who's in control of the event and who's, we don't have time for that now. We've got to come together over something that's bigger than ourselves. Congo Square and its history and its culture is bigger than ourselves. And what then do the tourists come to see when it's not there? What then do our grandchildren and great-grandchildren come to see when it's not there? Oh, 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 it'll become a myth. Oh, once upon a time, there was a great black enclave of free black people in this, that, that used to be here. But, but now it's a municipal building. Now, now it's a, a government facility. And, and, and as a product of Kirkwood, Missouri, Meacham Park, some of y'all from St. Louis know exactly where I'm talking about. Meacham Park is gone. Meacham Park was a historic black enclave, free black people, owned their houses, had their own church, had their own school. Now it's a shopping mall and an industrial park. Kirkwood, always been a white town, always been a white suburb west of, of, of St. Louis, but had a black enclave in the middle of it. My grandmother owned three houses. My grandmother, like Marie Laveau, had her own beauty parlor in her basement. And many of those black and, and women of color came and got their hair done at my grandmother's house. So I heard conversation. I heard talk. I heard the, the, the secret communications that go on, you know, among women in, in a private space in discussion about our freedom, our liberation, our rights, our mobility, our movement, our ownership, our respect within that community. And now Fillmore Avenue, from, from the railroad tracks all the way to Meacham Park, gone gone. Many of those black houses, black, black families, and the property is gone. The, the property 319 South Fillmore that my grandmama's house sat on is now uh, some kind of industrial storage area. You know, like where construction companies 
have piles of sand and piles of dirt and, and keep equipment. That, that's what's there now. So the history is gone. Unity Church, the, the only black church in that community, is still holding on, I believe, by thread. Last time I checked. So I've seen it. I grew up in Maryland, some of you all know. I saw gentrification in PG County. Coral Hills became Capitol Heights. Some of you all you know now is Capitol Heights. You ain't never heard of Coral Hills. That community right across from Bradbury Heights Elementary School, that was called Coral Hills. Now it's Capitol Heights. It went from a white neighborhood in the 50s, 40s, the 60s, 70s. Black people began to move in. There used to be a phraseology. I'm sure my cousin Oloye knows what I'm talking about, white flight. So all the white folks moved out as, as the black people began to move in and create, you know, a, a black community. And then crack epidemic came in just as I was leaving that area in the early 80s, brought it to the ground. One of the most dangerous places you can even walk through right now. And so what happens? Black families begin to move away begin to sell those houses. And, and now they, they've cleared what used to be the woods that we played in. <laughs> we loved to play in the woods. We had bike trails in the woods going downhill, dodging trees. You know, we was like that as kids. Creek, the, the ability to dig up stuff and find fossils and, 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 and other preserved things, all of that now is apartment complex. Condominium, co-op, apartment complex just beyond Nova Avenue. So I have seen it firsthand. Chicago, I was born in Chicago. Spent me and my adult years in Chicago. Went to college in Chicago, Harold Washington. I saw Cabrini Green get converted into a gentrified community. Cabrini Green, y'all, the TV show Good Times, that was set in Cabrini Green. All those projects gone. All those high-rise buildings gone. And now it's condominiums, co-ops, fancy shops. It has been gentrified. So I understand the nature of gentrification. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've fought against it in more than one city. We can't let this happen. Not to Tremaine, not to Congo Square, not on my watch. I invoke every ancestor, every ancestor, whether they had land in this neighborhood or whether they just supported this neighborhood. I invoke every ancestor from the French Quarter. Did y'all know the French Quarter used to be entirely black? Did you know that? Did you know the French Quarter used to be entirely black? It's been gentrified. Been gentrified. Very few black people now own a house, own property in the French Quarter. Very few. So we can't let this happen. We can't let this continue. I know I've gone beyond my time. We're already in the countdown. It's 2 o'clock. Please forgive me, but, but I asked my guests, uh, Kwabina, Neophyte Bokur, Ofare, Otan, Oloye, if you have a, a final word you want to offer, you want to say a blessing as we close the show, and then I'm going to end the broadcast. I just uh, hope that everybody understands the passion that my cousin has uh, and neophyte and all of us have for the preserving of our culture, the preserving of our uh, and the preserving of our spiritual 
spiritual traditions, and that we will all uh, fight with him, not with him, but together with him in order to, uh, right, in order to, to facilitate the change that needs. Let Yeh-Yeh-Oyah come and transform the situation, manifest her power, her divine transformative power to bring and move away all of those who uh, seek to do harm and then bring in the beauty of our tradition into an even stronger place. Ashe. Ashe. Uh, thank you to Goddess Initiative. I keep forgetting you in Chicago. She knows exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. She knows exactly the neighborhood that I'm talking about. The average Congo c- condominium price right now is 649000 to live in that neighborhood. That used to be Cabrini Green Project. Yes, ma'am. Um, that's five houses for us out here in Oklahoma. Yeah. That, that's, ten <laughs> house, that's ten houses in New Orleans, depending on what neighborhood you choose. Man. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, Chef Bougie and, and the beloved Orisha, we look forward to y'all hopefully Monday. Yeah, I'm trying to back y'all into an actual date <laughs> when <laughs> Chef Bougie is going to come on and he's going to talk about herbs and plants and, and being a chef and cooking and health and wellness and his beloved wife, Orisha, is going to be here with us. I'm so excited about that. I'm so looking forward to having, you know, an example of a healthy, loving, married, black couple, you know, to come on and share their family and their experience and their energy with us. I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corbina, mm-hmm. did you want to say goodbye? Did you have something you want to say from your car, beloved? Oh, Ofari, Neophyte Bokur, anybody want to say goodbye before I close out? I would just yeah, like to say that um, I appreciate and love everyone. Please remember that one of the things we have to overcome and create unity within our within ourselves and within each other is understanding that everybody has something to contribute. We cannot lose our focus, being misdirected by pride and ego. It is the adult thing to agree, to disagree. Let's not let our energy, our focus be put in mindless things. If we focus, we are so much more powerful. I love you all, and y'all have a blessed evening. Ashe. A neophyte Bokor? Yes, peace and blessings, family. Uh, look, just if you need a crash course, and this, and to catch yourself up, do something because at this aspect, there is a bit late to be trying to figure out, you know, what tactics are. No, your your back is against the wall. Time to put up or shut up. Right? Put something in the pot or get up because they're come they're 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 already putting this into practice. Get into your spirituality. Learn something. Come sit here underneath this tree right here. Pick up this this knowledge and stand up. Otherwise, they're going to continue to put keep putting their foot on our necks, their knees on our necks, and literally killing us on TV. Just. Diamond Wolf. Diamond Wolf. 
walked into a church and pretended to want to know about God and murdered people. All those young people murdered people. But before he went to jail, they swung that boy by Burger King. <laughs> See, we're so busy focused on attacking each other. We don't understand that, yeah, they kill each other. They got some crazy people that do these mass shootings, and they do all of this to each other. But they will hold hands to stand on our neck. That's right. You better wake up, grow up, and get a clue. We got to focus, y'all. And this, this fighting each other, this ego, this pride, this ain't it. You want to know why we can't get nowhere? Look. Okay. Uh, Corbina, did, did you want to say something before we leave? We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for coming. All is a blessing. Until next time, all is truly in need of blessing. Odabo. 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 Thank you all again. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, that was a great show. And, um, I look forward to meeting you all here in this space again um, next time. I'll Very good. You, and I'll talk to you later on, cousin. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Peace and blessings. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. Um, you heard a lot today. <laughs> but I'm grateful for your being present. And, and please, get involved, get active. Do something. Don't just stand by and watch this happen. Congo Square, Congo Square. Congo Square. The Omus Indians. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our 
ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang. We beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat, heart be at this place, at this place, be heart, be, be, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be Bambula dance, be Banza music, and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget, even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate without Hello. of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. 
deep inside us is us, remains us inside, and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning, a sun day, a feel, a feel. Without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us. To remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. Beat Congo Square. Be Congo Square. Beat Be. Beat Be. Remember. Remember. 